Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 341. I'm your host, Valerie George, and with me today is Perry Romanowski. Hi, Perry. Hello, Valerie. How's it going? I'm doing great. We have a fully loaded show today, so we're going to get started because on today's show, we're going to answer many questions for our listeners, including why are companies replacing synthetic blurring ingredients? What's the deal with the ordinary glycolipid cleanser? Do you need a separate heat protector if you use leave-in conditioner? What is the dried foam that's in my serum dropper? And what do we think about that expensive treatment dispersal system for a pricey serum, which we've talked about before. But first, that inane chit-chat. How are the kitties? Uh, they're good. I, I might have a home for one of them. I don't have to bottle feed them anymore. Oh, that's great. I did put together a an adoption video called the Furry Feline Ninja Kittens. Well, I don't know if the word ninja is going to get them adopted. Maybe. Well, do you know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yeah. Yeah, so it was a little play on that. Like I named, there's four kittens. I named them after the Ninja Turtles, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Now it makes sense. Now, in your video, did you use the tune of the theme song from the TV show? Well, why don't I, why don't I show you a little of this? Uh, let's see. Because if you didn't license it, I think Mr. Cosmetic Chemist would have something to say about that. All right, well, you tell me. Furry feline ninja kittens, furry feline ninja kittens, furry feline ninja kittens, heroes high catnip, kitty power. That's cute. All right, so. (laughs) You know, I think they would still come after you. You need some kind of, I forget what the license is. You know, when Mr. Cosmetic Chemist talks about his work, I can't follow. Sure. Um, (laughs) You know how it goes. Sure, sure. Well, if they come after me, then I'll just take it down. But hopefully, the well, hopefully will be they'll gone. be a yeah, they'll be adopted by then. Yes, I <laughs> exactly. will take it down. Oh, exactly. Well, it's it's a fun little summer project, but I got to get rid of them by in a month because I'm leave, going out of town. Oh, for sure, they do have to go. Well, let's head over to some beauty science news. <laughs> What did you see this week, Perry? I saw a couple of things, Valerie, but uh, one that struck me a little bit was this uh, article I saw about the term ageless or anti-aging. Yeah. Yep. And uh, they say ageless and revitalizing are the top growing benefits searched alongside hair care. So mm-hmm. this uh, company, Spate, they do, they do tracking of terms, search terms in the beauty industry. And it turns out people are looking, there's a lot more volume for people looking to revitalize hair or find ageless hair. Um, And this is up and compared to the term anti-aging. They're they're suggesting that anti-aging might get replaced by the term ageless. I'm a little skeptical of that. I don't know. know. Ageless doesn't, it's it's not as catchy as anti-aging, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's interesting that this article is in reference to hair because I've heard revitalizing with uh, hair before. In fact, at the brand sure. I used to work at, we've actually used it in a product name. So that's totally normal for me. But the ageless is very interesting because, I, you know, most people, when I think of aging, I think of skin, but your hair does change as you age too. So I guess that's pretty interesting. You know, to the marketing team one time, I did predict that hair for an aging demographic uh, would become a very hmm. popular category and we should create something for hair that's maybe gone gray and all that kind of stuff and yeah. they shut that down they didn't nibble on that but maybe i was right however i was wrong in that i should have called it ageless hair ageless well I, it, that's interesting and i had that experience too whenever you're going through uh brainstorming sessions it always comes up oh there should be a line of hair care line for mature hair or mm -hmm. <laughs> older people's hair yeah. uh ageless hair uh is not a term that i heard but those always get shot down because i guess the idea is that the consumers they don't want to buy a product for old people right <laughs> and, and so that kind of always has that connotation that the product's for old people you, you buy products to pretend that you're young right yeah, which is where I think anti-aging is a, a good term. Yeah, that's why anti-aging can kind of work. Like, it's a battle against aging, where ageless is just like, you know, is a 20-year-old going to use ageless? <laughs> like, who's going to use this? You know? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, this is why we're not marketers. <laughs> exactly. Well, there was another article uh, on the same uh, news publication, Happy Magazine, which I have a monthly column in, in case anyone who's listening uh, that formulates Ask Valerie, yeah. <laughs> have, dear Valerie, yeah, have their formulation oh, I'm sorry. questions dear Valerie, answered. Yeah. yeah, that I thought would uh, really, you know, get your goat. <laughs> My goat was got pretty good last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Men's use of personal care products has doubled since 2004. What do you think? So so now they're using two products a day instead of one? <laughs> <laughs> you would be using one instead of zero. Is that doubling? Oh, right. Is that how that works? <laughs> no, that's like infinity. Yeah. Right. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, the data comes from a survey uh, commissioned by the Environmental Working Group. I'm. Oh, boy. <laughs> Okay. I'm not sure why they want the survey, but anyway, uh, they did the survey, and um, what do you think? I know you read it, too. Yeah, you know, I can tell you why they want the survey, because they've been doing a survey like this forever. They do this survey to figure out how many beauty products people use, uh, and then they use, they use some uh, dubious math to figure out how many chemicals that exposes to you every day, and then how much your cancer risk is because you're getting exposed to cancer carcinogens mm, mm. and so like the more the more products that people use they can make the headlines like oh you're getting exposed to like 200 carcinogens a day in your 100 percent more carcinogen <laughs> exposure through right. these products <laughs> exactly so this is something they've done for a long time now they say, according to their study, in 2004, the average adult male used um, six products. And now in, in 2000 and, uh, 2023 now, the average adult uses 11 products a day. 
And I was adding on my hand. I'm trying to figure out. So you use, okay, shampoo, conditioner, shaving cream, toothpaste, underarm, deodorant, uh, aftershave maybe. So I, mm. I couldn't get up to 11 products. <laughs> so so yeah. how do you get to average that, right? Well, first, one small thing I'd like to nitpick. The headline says sure. men's use of products has doubled. It's technically like an 85% increase, oh, not a 100% right. increase, because it six, actually went six from to 6 11, to right. 11. Okay, right. I digress. <laughs> no. Anyway... Okay. Yeah, it's it's really tough to see where uh, they're coming up with that number because I think the women's number was also fairly high, 13 products. And I have a hard time believing women are using 13, men are using 11. Right. I'm saying what, women use two more products than men? Come on. There's Yeah, no <laughs> way. no way. <laughs> when I wake up, I use toothpaste uh, because right. I do brush my teeth, um, sure. contrary to what Mr. Cosmetic Chemist might accuse me of sometimes. <laughs> And then if I'm showering, I will use body wash, shampoo, conditioner. I will get out. Um, I will put moisturizer on. Oh, facial cleanser. Okay, then moisturizer. Um, moisturizer could be sunscreen. Um, at nighttime, sure. I'll use the same cleanser. I don't know if that counts as two. Uh, then I'll put a night I'd moisturizer on. One, yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe mascara. Um, sure. And that, so we're at eight so far. And then maybe um, a little lip balm, lip balm. Correct. And then maybe hand cream throughout the day. And then I do use mouthwash at night. So that puts me up to 11. So I guess a man would have to be doing all those things. Maybe substitute one of them for shaving cream and they would be up to 11. I mean, you could get there. Except I'm, for the mascara. I'm, I'm, I mean, right. take that down, we're down to 10. Yeah, but maybe they're like using Axe body spray or something like that. So. Yeah, but I could see how, uh, you know, someone who has a skincare routine and makeup could use a whole lot more. So I was actually surprised the number was just, I know we were talking about men, uh, but for right. women on average was 13. But that means there has to be women like not really using anything. Right, there are those uh, basic Bettys, as we called them in market research, and who just yeah, like right. you know, they do basic uh, cleansing, moisturizing, and that's pretty much it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I just I guess you could look at it and figure out how people get to those numbers, but it seems very very questionable that the average number for men is eleven and the average for women is is thirteen. I, Maybe maybe we're just not average consumers. You know, Perry, you didn't notice I never mentioned antiperspirant or deodorant. <laughs> I, I, well, I after all that loom talk uh, last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Well, uh, speaking of men's skincare, I think we might have missed something in the past. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I like to daily. I like to watch Jeopardy. It's like my wife and I. We sit down and eat dinner and during dinner we watch Jeopardy and one of the Jeopardy categories was Michael Strahan the whole category uh, it's a whole category Michael Strahan asks skincare questions really (laughs) yeah he did a whole skincare questions and I'm like wait a second Michael Strahan has a beauty line how did I miss this and it, it turns out that yeah, he has a he launched a beauty skincare line back in 22, 2022 in September. So in the fall he did. Gosh. 
Are you sure we missed that? I'm not sure. We'll have to go look in the archives, but I I think we kind of... I, I didn't remember it, and <laughs> I thought it was very funny because he'd ask questions like, this oil is found in the desert and is, it is, duplicates human sebum. What jojoba. is it? That's, Please well, tell me you have to ask that right. I, what oh, is I got them all right. seed oil? There you go. <laughs> there Simonzia you go. You canensis seed oil. Did they want the Sorry. Latin name? No, jojoba was all they, all they wanted. Because at the end, he's like, and it's a fun word to say. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. My mom really struggles to say that one. She always is like, <laughs> jojoba. That's what I used to call when I first I first came upon jojoba uh, when I was like in high school and I had this shampoo and it was with jojoba oil. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what's this jojoba? I'm like, no, yeah. you don't say it. <laughs> I think that's happened to everyone. Yeah. Well, I I gotta say I was in, impressed that somehow his PR people got him an entire category on Jeopardy, which seemed like an entire commercial for his line. So, good luck to good luck to his men's care line. Yes, good luck. Well, we also had some listener feedback. Misty says, "Thank you for answering my question about benzoyl peroxide. Love the British voice for Pale Runner sunscreen question. It had me laughing the whole way through." I'm not sure how much it was the British voice narrating or Pale Runner's excellent writing, but it sounded more authentic than some of the others. Yeah, see, some people do like the AI voices. <laughs> well, I wonder if the accent has something to do with it because we can't discern as Americans what an authentic British accent is, right? They pretty much all sound pretty good to me. Uh, so I yeah. wonder if any of our uh, British listeners have something to say. Did Pale Runner's voice sound robotic and unemotional, or did it sound pretty good? I think it. I think the voice that I picked went well with, especially with the way the guy wrote his email. The question was pretty funny. Yeah, the writing was so good. I usually I will if a question is too long, I'll I'll cut it down, make it a little shorter. I try to keep questions to like one minute or less. Just a little tip out there, but his was like two minutes long. I'm like that's a long time, but. It was pretty but good writing. It was so pretty good. I went with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's one of the more memorable questions we had. Yeah. Well, let's answer some beauty questions. Our first question comes to us from Tracy from Patreon. She says, Hello again from New Zealand. Incidentally, speaking of New Zealand, I'm giving it a remote talk in New Zealand at the end of this week. Lucky. Uh, about. The impact of AI on cosmetic chemists. Hmm. Well, I know how it's impacting me and our listeners. <laughs> yes. Well, let's see how it's not impacting Tracy. She says, I'm wondering if you can comment on the article below, and in particular, why replacing synthetic blurring ingredients like nylon and silica is necessary or sought after. I'm new to this website, so not sure of its context within the beauty and cosmetic industry. Much thanks, and keep up the good work. I enjoy your commitment to weekly episodes. Well, thank you for that. Okay, so she uh, had a link to a, this is, I guess it would be a trade journal in the cosmetic industry, cosmeticsbusiness.com, and it was, uh, an article about ditching the filter, why blurring ingredients are making an echo comeback. Uh, basically, cosmetic ingredient companies are launching new products to, uh, for, 
I guess, social media people to stop using filters and start using makeup, makeup again that will help to, I don't know, blurring effects and such. Because apparently the UK's advertising authority, uh, these are people that says what's okay to advertise, they're cracking down on these the, the use of filters in your social media posts. And so you can't blur your face and say, oh, this is because of a cosmetic when it was really just a digital enhancement. And so to get away from that, I guess uh, people are trying to use anti-filter uh, ingredients or things that uh, will do it uh, in a chemical or mechanical way rather than an electronic way. Interesting. Yeah. So moving away from digital filters back to these uh, synthetic filters or even natural filters, as this article is alleging. Yeah. I. Um, it's interesting because in terms of why people are moving away from nylon or silica, I'm not sure. Silica is technically a natural ingredient. Uh, when you think about it, it does go through heavy heat uh, to be reacted and formed, but many of the silica suppliers will tell you, you know, it's pretty much as natural as you get when it's a, a precipitated silica or physical particle. So yeah. I'm not sure about that, but I do know that nylon may be a, a consumer demand or even a brand demand to move away from things that could be perceived as microplastics or whatnot. Right. I think I think some organizations would call nylon a microplastic, and they even will call silica a microplastic. Uh, now, I don't agree with that classification, uh, but once that thing, once something like that gets out into the zeitgeist of the population, then surprisingly, or not surprising to me, but surprising to consumers, uh, when an ingredient gets a bad reputation, the, the beauty industry tends to move away from it if it's easy to do. Uh, now, if it's hard to do that, you know, because you're going to lead to products that don't work as good, that's when you get into the problems. And that's a problem you run into with a lot of uh, uh, preservatives, cosmetic preservatives, because the things that work are being replaced with things that don't work as well. And so now you're getting uh, contamination problems, uh, even though you're removing products that were or ingredients that were perfectly fine. Yeah, it's interesting what brands will do, especially as trends change. I mean, they want ingredients that consumers can talk about, right? And it's really hard right. to talk about nylon or silica, uh, which is not a microplastic. It's just not sexy, so it's hard to do. So I think when they find these yeah. stories, they can really anchor themselves in, like high-quality cellulose powders from upcycled wood chips from the forestry right. industry or FSC-certified trees. You know, that is a whole lot better than you know, talking about your uh, micron size on your precipitated silica. So I don't know, you know, if this is anything to make a deal about. The other thing is, you know, I think we need news stories, right? Even on the cosmetics For industry sure. side. So to me, I think this is just something to talk about. I honestly don't know at the end of the day if consumers are really noticing a difference or know that their product is being formulated with different things. Yeah, I... I for a consumer reading like a trade journal about articles, uh, you have to read it with a different kind of eye because in reality, this is an article seems to me is just pushing some new ingredients that were launched by suppliers who actually happen to also be advertisers in their magazines. So they tend to 
tell stories about that, hoping that cosmetic chemists will start to incorporate them into their products and into their product stories, even though we've already got a solution to this problem uh, of the blurring effect in, in nylon and uh, silica. But, you know, raw material suppliers, they like to come out with new ingredients and they want people to talk about them. And so that's what an article like this says to me. And here we are talking about it. <laughs> and here we are. Uh, hopefully it's not too much insider baseball for the rest of the consumers. But this question came from an audience member. So, so at least some people in the audience uh, wanted to know an answer to this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's great. Our next question comes to us from Nadina, also a patron on Patreon. Hey, you know, if you wanted to support the show on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. We thank all of our wonderful patrons, and you keep the show going, you keep us motivated, and you help us to uh, defray some of the costs of uh, putting on the show. And also, we've got new transcripts, so every uh, patron has access to transcripts of the show, uh, which are mostly accurate thanks to our AI overlords. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, what's the question? Nadine says, hi, Beauty Brains. Hope you are well. I have a question on the new glycolipid cleanser by The Ordinary. When looking at the INCI, that's the ingredient nomenclature of cosmetic ingredients, and so that's the ingredient list. When looking at the INCI, I was a bit surprised because it is not something I would have expected as it is more similar to a conditioner than a cleanser. Would you agree? And then she gives us the uh, ingredient list. All right, Valerie, what do you think of the... So the Ordinary Glycolipid Cream Face Cleanser. We got water, of course, uh, but behenyl alcohol, which, you know, is going to be found more in conditioners than cleansers. Polyglycerol 2, some glycolipids, some pentylene glycol, polyglycerol dicaprate. So it's got those surfactants in there. We got a thickener, polyacrylate, cross polymers, and uh, yeah, other stuff. Yeah. Uh, I could see what yeah. she's saying, although it's got more surfactants than you'd expect in a conditioner. But it's got some interesting things in there, too, that's not normally found in conditioners. Yeah, well, I think she means it's like a conditioner from the consistency, right? These Some of these things are familiar to conditioners like sterile alcohol or behenol alcohol. But this is a cream cleanser, right? So at the end of the day, a cream has to be made, and that can only be done by mixing water and oily-type things and an emulsifier, at least to create an oily appearance. Yeah, that's your behenyl alcohols and your sterile alcohols. That gives you that, that creamy appearance. Exactly. But doesn't that get in the way of the cleansing part? Well... I would say, uh, like any cream cleanser, this is probably like really more on the gentle side. It does have glycolipids present in it. Glycolipids are a type of surfactant that actually come from fermentation, uh, fermentation of a sugar and an oil like canola oil or something like that. And so the bacteria mm. are fed these things and they spit out these uh, surfactants that are universally called glycolipids. It's a big class of them, but there's different kinds like rhamnolipids, uh, sephorolipids, all that kind of stuff. But usually uh, you'll see glycolipids on an ingredient list or sephorolipids or rhamnolipids. Anyway, uh, they're a very mild surfactant, very, very gentle to skin, really, really non-irritating. And what's also cool about them, in addition to their cleansing properties, 
they do offer some emulsification. So it's probably aiding in this instance. And so I would say, while it's still gentle as a cleanser because it is a cream cleanser at the end of the day, uh, there is this surfactancy that the glycolipids offers, even if it's uh, in this instance, probably very weak. So I think it's just the format, something different. People do like cream yeah. cleansers. I think it's an older thing. It's not going to foam very much, huh? No, glycolipids are not foamers. Right. And those other ingredients in there, the, the henalocal, sterilocal, <laughs> they will also knock down the foam. Uh, yeah, it looks like a, an interesting enough product, but yeah, it's not it's not going to be foamy like the glucoside foaming face cleanser that she also uh, included because that has desoglucosides and cocoglucosides and glucosides. I know it sounds like glycolipids, but uh, not they're, the they're not the same. <laughs> not yeah, the same. no, some people do say glycosides though, but uh, yeah, glucosides are not the same. These are also very gentle cleansers. I, I personally don't like to formulate with them because at least with desoglucoside, cocoglucoside's okay. Uh, it leaves to me a weird residue on hair, uh, so I don't like to use it. Uh, but you know, it is perceived to be gentle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, and I I agree with that. Um, although it is a little bit drying, which is it's perceived to be gentle, but at least to me, I think it's drying on the skin, which is and, interesting. Yeah, and it's also can be irritating for people. It was an allergy right. year. Uh, it can cause contact oh, dermatitis. Right. So yes. I don't know why the natural circles embrace it so much. I mean, it is also a product of fermentation, so it is perceived to be more natural, but uh, right. that doesn't mean it's better for your skin or your hair. So I don't know why people like it. Uh, Someone did some good marketing on that one. Um, but I, uh, the other thing I noticed was like, just trying to rinse it out. I, I use it in a hand wash and it, it leaves your hands feeling like squee, you know, like slimy uh, yeah. a little bit, right? Same like, thing does... on the hair. Yeah. And when right, people right. with fine hair use shampoos with desoglucoside, I think they uh, tend to get a lot of little knots and the hair can get tangled up and that kind of stuff. Right. Not what Nadina's question was, um, <laughs> <Nice>. but so <laughs> hopefully that explains Nadina the difference between a glycolipid cleanser, which would be uh, a little bit more creamy in this instance because they use behenol alcohol and sterile alcohol, but it can still mildly cleanse at the end of the day. Uh, but I would guess the glucoside foaming face cleanser probably cleans a little bit better. I would think so. It's this. You're still going to need a makeup remover <laughs> if you're going to use this product at all. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, our next question is an audio question. Comes to us from Shay. Hi, Valerie and Perry, and all of the Porch Kitties. Thanks so much for all the great info you provide in the pod. And I stand with Valerie on the weird AI voices. Not good. First, I want to report on an experiment I did on myself. I have lots of fine, dry, curly hair, and I get a balayage once per year. I have been a longtime user of Joyco and Matrix products, which I get at cost at Cosmoprof, but I was intrigued by how you always say that drugstore products can be just as good. So for $9, I picked up a duo of 9-ounce Pantene Pro-V Daily Moisture Shampoo and Conditioner. After going through both bottles, I have determined that my hair is softer shinier and less frizzy with better curl definition. The only drawback, the conditioner makes my shower floor pretty slippery. So even though I get my Joyco moisture recovery products at cost, I'm headed to Costco to get the gargantuan bottles of Pantene. So I wash my hair twice a week, and after applying Wella NutriCurl's Milky Waves Leave-In Conditioner, 
followed up by either Joyco Curl Confidence Curl Cream or Devo Curl Wave Maker, depending on my mood. Then I either air dry or diffuse. I spritz my curls with water and either air dry or diffuse on non-wash days. So my question is, do I also need a separate heat protector? Or do these leave-in products have heat protection? Thank you so much. Shay from Washington. All right. You did a lot of work on heat protectors. Uh, and I did. I did. You know, I did I did some work on heat protectors, and but I did more work on leave-on conditioners. Mm, mm. And a funny story, right. one time, uh, and this was when I was first working at Al- Alberto, and you know sometimes when you're making a stability test, it, you, you are supposed to put it in the final packaging, but you don't have it, so you just use whatever packaging is, is available. Similar, yeah. Right, so I was testing this... Uh, this rinse out conditioner, it was a very heavy, thick cream rinse out conditioner, but the only bottles I had to test it in were labeled leave-on conditioners. Oh right? yeah, and you didn't bother to put a personalized label on it because you knew what was in it. Right, exactly, so I took it home. And mm-hmm. my sister just happened to be staying with me. And she used this product for like a week as a leave-on conditioner. <laughs> she didn't even notice. <laughs> But it worked for her, so there you go. Well, Mr. Cosmetic Chemist one time used something I had labeled like that. It was actually a shampoo tube, but I put a conditioner in it. Uh And afterwards, he was like, I don't know what you do all day, but that was the worst shampoo I've ever used. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh, But Perry, you're ignoring the most important aspect of this question. I mean, it's great that you have experience in leaving conditioners. I do as well. I have a lot of experience in heat protection, so we're going to give a really good answer to this. But you're ignoring the fact that Shay stands with me on the weird AI voices. Ah, uh, yes, that's that? right. She said, I stand with Valerie on the weird AI voices. Uh, okay, that's uh, so it's uh, two to one, I guess. <laughs> so far. Yeah. Listener feedback. Uh, who loves yeah. the AI voices or not? Yeah. And Shay, I love your name because it's Shay like Shea butter. And, you know, I always told Mr. Cosmetic Chemist, we should name a kid Shay. And, you know, he's warming up to that or maybe not. Oh, nice. Probably not. Yeah. Anyway. um, Yeah, Perry. So what do you think? I think, but personally, I think the leave-in conditioner is is probably enough. Uh, I've never been really sold on the huge benefits of heat protectors, but... Again, I didn't have a lot of work in them. I, I worked on them a little bit, enough for me to be kind of skeptical that they help a lot more. But then again, I didn't use all of the examples on uh, on the market. And I know you specifically have done work in this area of heat protectors. So I'm a little bit down on heat protection. It seems to be like an extra thing that doesn't help that much. But what's your mm. experience? Mm. Well, I think heat protectants really do work. I would say they're really, really, really important if you're actually uh, flat ironing the hair every day, like actually putting a real strong heat source on it, or even if you're blow drying and you're the kind of person that holds your nozzle very closely, uh, that is a bit of heat on the hair and it's really not good for it. And the hair can look very, very, very trash. So I do recommend a heat protectant or could be a spray it could be a leave-on conditioner it could be anything but it has to advertise heat protection now that's not to say other products won't give you heat protection but this means that the brand hopefully uh, did their third-party claim substantiation like they're supposed to 
and can validate that. And that's usually done at 450 degrees with a flat iron. So I would say if you're doing that, you know, meaning the strong heat sources on your hair definitely get extra heat protection. If you're yeah. just diffusing, which is, if you don't know this, Perry, do you know what diffusing is? Yeah, a blow dryer with a little uh, a muter on it so it doesn't blow dry it quite as directly. And has the little right? fingers and you kind of like right. crunch it up towards your head to hold a curl pattern. It's like when you're playing the trumpet and you have that little wah-wah thing on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I will never look at it the same ever again. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I would say that's probably not as strong of a heat source. So if you just have these other products on, I think you could be okay in looking at the ingredient list for the Joico product, which, by the way, I really love Joico conditioners. They're some of my favorite um, salon professional conditioners. It does have uh, some oils. It has pea protein in it, vegetable protein. And these things do form films. And so if you have light heat, probably not the end of the world. Uh, but again, yeah. if you're doing like mega heating, I definitely would add a separate heat protectant to it. Now, often a, a leave-in conditioner is going to also have a silicone in it. Yeah. And so it's going to provide you some heat protection. So it, unless you're doing that, that flat iron or that curling iron, that high intense heat, yeah, usually a, a leave-in conditioner that has a silicone in it can provide you some heat protection. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I think it's really cool that she took our recommendation to try drugstore products, picked up some Pantene, <laughs> and loves it. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> That's that's my the the strategy I always suggest is you know start from the bottom up don't go from the top down. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my goodness! And I'm not saying quality, I'm not saying quality. I'm saying in price. <laughs> so oh my gosh! Bottom up. Sorry. Everybody, don't listen to him. Do not listen <laughs> to him. But anyway, we're glad Shay found a cost affordable uh, option that makes her hair look even better, and hopefully. For sure your current products work for you look at that another person from patreon asking a question amanda wow hi beauty brains when i opened my polish choice 20 percent niacinamide serum the dropper had a chunk of dried out foam suspended in the dropper that won't come out so strange i'm not that mad because i got it as a gift with purchase and customer service is sending me a new bottle have them send us one too but I puzzled about the foam. Any idea what caused it? Is this serum safe to use or is foam indication it's gone bad? Here's how customer service replied. Sounds like a pre-written statement that's not even addressing the foam. This product can sometimes appear cloudy or have a slight yellow discoloration in the dropper. This variance from batch to batch is simply a result of the liposomes in the formula, which are needed to keep the specialized ingredients blended together. Please note this is purely aesthetic and does not have any impact on the efficacy of the product. However, we will go ahead and send a replacement bottle since you are unable to drop the product out. That doesn't even sound remotely close to what she's asking about, but it does sound like the kind of thing you would write in a form letter (laughs) from customer service, right? (laughs) Yeah. So typically what happens is with a customer service, these people are not maybe not necessarily estheticians or in the case of this is like a hair product, a salon professional or even a chemist, right? So they probably right. have a, a canned answer if they get this issue frequently and they just copy and paste and put it in. Um, you know, there's a lot of FAQs that come with products. And so 
a brand will prepare them ahead of time. And as quality issues come up, you'll develop these canned answers to address the quality issues. And then if you don't have a canned response, you'll go ask R&D, you'll ask marketing, what, what do you want me to tell the, the customer who's writing this to me? And they'll say, oh, we'll just replace the product and tell them this, right? So it definitely sounds uh, put together. Uh, for sure. Now, as, as far as, it, first of all, th- that response, you could see a, a yellow discoloration. That screams to me like there's a stability problem here. <laughs> Come on, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So that doesn't. You shouldn't be getting cloudy or slight yellow discolorations in your product. That that's not a well formulated product. As in Technically, terms of stability. Technically, it's in the so, dropper. Right. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, <laughs> or it's 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 certainly not just a drop in the bucket problem. Ooh, no, that was no, good. Nowhere, no. <laughs> All right, you know what's interesting about this? So this sounds more like it could be a packaging problem, right? So yeah, it definitely looks like a packaging compatibility issue. Right, and so when they get supplied the the dropper packaging, the sometimes those droppers they like they'll clean them out with some sort of uh, cleanser fluid or something, and if it doesn't dry all the way out, that residual chemical can interact with the chemicals that are in the serum and it usually uh, some sort of oxidation reactions happening that's where you get the yellowing uh, or even clouding could happen there's uh, oil and water and oil incompatible things sort of mix and then you get that cloudiness but uh, you know you don't know what's in that in that dropper the polish choice people should know what's in the dropper though that's that's not good quality control yes me yeah. And two with droppers, like it's not a contained environment to the external world. If liquid gets up in there, there's a top to that dropper tube that right. sticks down. And so that top goes into the needle nose or excuse me, it goes into the bulb, which is right. typically yeah. some kind of uh, nalgene or nitrogen heavy material. And it's not impermeable to air. Um, you know, there is air transfer through this pipette bulb of the product. Sure, and sure. So I'm guessing something got up in there and it dried out completely. I don't know yeah. what it is that got in there, but it definitely had that air exposure that we're talking about and desiccated into this weird foam. It'd be interesting, Amanda, if you took a little bit of alcohol and squirted it up into the pipette bulb and see if you can't get it to dissolve. Yeah, yeah, it- could be something like that or even the if it's water soluble it could be you know just uh, that's another another thing that could get it out of there but uh it's hard to know exactly what it is uh but yes good thing they're sending you a new one and you know they need some better qc on those uh pipettes (laughs) those Mm -hmm. little droppers right well it's people like amanda reporting it to the brand that you know, raise the issue. I mean, maybe they already know about the issue. I don't know. Obviously they have other issues they know about, but you know, if you see a right. problem <laughs> with your product, report it to the brand because maybe they don't know and they can only know from feedback. Yeah. I one time worked on a project where we got, it was a spray bottle project. It was a leave-in product for uh Tresemme. And we sourced these sprayers from China um, it was like one of a kind. The, 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 well, our purchasing people probably got it for really cheap. So, so anyway, they they sent them from China. Well, they 
had this disinfectant that they did. They sprayed all the all the sprayers had this disinfectant in it, but it was water based, and they left it in there. And by the time the shipment came from China to Illinois, uh, all of the sprayer bottles were contaminated with uh, this this bacteria that happened to grow in it like that. So we had to throw the entire shipment out. And now that shipment is permanently entombed in a landfill somewhere. <laughs> permanently. For eternity. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So packaging problems, uh, it's it's not surprising, but uh, it's it's hard when, when it happens. Exactly. Looks like we got time for one more. Rita says, Dear Beauty Brains, what do you think of this expensive treatment dispersal system for their pricey serums? Droplet.io. Well, that's familiar. Oh, the old droplet product. This is the product that... You put the serum on, and then it's forced to force it into your face or something. In like some device. kind of NASA discovered ultrafine mist. That's right. And another thing that uh, I got to test um, for the Allure Beauty Awards. Whoa! Um, What'd you think? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You got to do all the skin stuff. I got to do all the hair stuff. That's right. And and when I say I got to do all the skin stuff, it really means my wife got to do all the skin stuff and report to me mm, <laughs> what she mm. thought. Well, that's disappointing. Well, I will say, like, who's going to want my opinion about whether something is working well on my face or not? Like, I, Didn't I you barely also have, like, false eyelashes in there? <laughs> there were false eyelashes, too. <laughs> I'd love to see that. I have a wife who very much enjoys using beauty products. So, I, you know, I could be a reporter. Anyway, we did cover this uh, one first on episode 266, and then we talked about 276, 287, 293. You know, these droplet people should uh, start giving us commissions or something. We talked about this product so much. Well, especially now that it's episode 341, so that's the fifth episode. And probably the fifth time I'm saying, eh, unimpressed. (laughs) Because I have to say, my wife tried the product, and and she, she liked it well enough, but... Um, I don't think when it came to the value of uh, having to use the device, the inconvenience of that, and uh, the non-noticeable immediate effect, uh, she was not not terribly impressed. It'd be interesting to try the serum normal and then with the device and see if there's a difference. Yeah. Maybe there is. Sometimes you formulate a serum for a device like that. Yeah, yeah. I think with all these devices, it's just an extra step that people, they just haven't caught on, you know? The device that, the only device that caught on for a little bit was that Clairsonic little face thing. And now that's gone. But even that, even that's gone. So they these devices come and go. Yeah, yeah, they come and go. And even if they're developed by NASA, I'm not sure how long they'll stick around. But, you know, they keep trying. We'll see. Uh, Well, if you guys hear that, that's the clickety-clackety of Butch and Frank telling me we've got to go. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, if you get a chance, can you go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review or to Spotify and review there? That's going to help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. Speaking of that... Uh, we got some space, so if you have a question you want to get answered, just record it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. And if you just want to send an email, maybe we could just use an AI for your voice instead. Nope. Or, or not. Please just record <laughs> it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. The Beauty Brains are also on various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at thebeautybrains2018. On Twitter, we're at thebeautybrains. We have a Facebook page and a TikTok. 
And you might have noticed that we don't have commercials. And so the way that we support the show is we count on you. So if you want to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. We thank all of our patrons very much for your support for all the years. And patrons get extra priority to get their questions answered before everybody else. Well, thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Kittens. <laughs>